Americans, countrymen, uh, welcome to my show. I'm not going to make a big rousing speech here. Welcome to this week's episode of the Stephen Perkins program as I am looking at this group text that just will not stop. Um, so let's put that away. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Outset Podcast Network. Uh, very happy to have you join us this week uh, for, for actually this episode has kind of a special announcement on it. Maybe you've seen me post about it on Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr or my Facebook or pretty much everywhere because, you know, social media is a good thing. So but, but before we talk about that, I, I just want to I just want to say some of you may be in the same position I'm in and it's a terrible position. And I feel sad for all of you, uh, for all of us, really. Uh, this, for me, has been the first week of summer school, uh, the first time I've ever done summer school, and it is possibly one of the worst decisions I've ever made. And it's not that, um, it, I mean, you know, it, it's it's not too tough. I understand that some people would, would kill to have an education, although that's illegal. But what uh, I'm doing is I'm actually retaking a class. Yes, I know. Oh. The Stephen Perkins failed a class. It's it's a terrible thing. I'm retaking statistics. I think now you understand why I failed because um, it's statistics. Uh, so I'm retaking this class. It is Monday through Thursday, um, a one-hour lecture and a two-hour lab. So the lecture isn't bad because the lecture is, is you know, I've, I've seen all the material before. The lab is terrible. It's two hours um, of of time in front of this computer where I just essentially do the online homework and it's uh, it's painful. It's painful. And it shouldn't be painful because I, I shouldn't be making such a big deal out of it. But, um, you know, I... It's whatever. It, it's it's a uh, it's a first world problem, I suppose. Anyway, so, uh, so... So that's been going on this week. If you're in summer school, man, I feel your pain... It's not fun, but we'll get through it. And next summer semester, um, starting uh, mid-July, I'll be doing Spanish during the summer, which might also kill me. So this summer's tough, y'all. It's tough. I I, I need really. I, I want a I want a vacation. I've been trying to get to D.C. Um, and plane tickets are actually pretty cheap right now, but it's the whole thing of like actually purchasing the plane ticket that. Um, that that has you know that has issues. I hey I want to share with you a, a quick report before we get into everything. Today, I just want to share with you a quick report, which I think is interesting. It comes from CNSNews.com. Record number of Americans renounced their U.S. citizenship in 2015. Between January and March of 2015, a record 1,336 Americans renounced their U.S. citizenship, according to a quarterly report by the IRS. Uh, it was published on the Federal Register. The list includes longtime permanent residents who, were, who are considered Americans under the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, way back then. The IRS noted uh, the, the previous record was 1,130 in the second quarter of 2013, according to, a Treasury, according to Treasury Department data. So, so let me just um, let me say... Uh, a couple thousand, right? 1,336. Not that big of a number. The percentage of the overall population, very small. But what that shows is that we're consistently setting these records. The last record uh, was set in the second quarter of 2013. So we're consistently setting these records of people who decide, you know what, don't want to be an American anymore. And 
I got to say, I can't blame them because when you look around and you see everything that's going on, and we're talking about some of them today, including Obama trade, uh, which we'll talk about after the announcement today, we are in a very vulnerable a very vulnerable position right now. Uh, so it, it, it makes complete sense to me that 1,336 people have renounced their citizenship. Um, I, I am surprised the record was not set. You know how, how, how people always say, oh, if so-and-so gets elected, I'm moving to Canada, as if, you know, Canada is any better. No knock on my Canadian friends, but, I mean, come on. We, uh, um, just because you're on top doesn't mean you're the best. So you hear all these people say, oh, if, if Obama gets elected, I'm going to move to Canada, or if Romney got elected, I'm moving to Canada. Um, turns out those people didn't actually do it, although maybe they've just waited until now to do it. Maybe those 1,336 people were um, were just finally fed up with the president. Doubtful, but you never know. So I, I just want to share that. I thought that was really interesting. I saw that in Drudge this morning and thought I'd share it with you. Okay, so today I'm actually, usually I, I, I would wait to do an announcement towards the end of the show. I'm just too excited about this one, so I want to come out right here and say it. I want to share something with you today that I am extremely excited about. Uh, it's something that I think that will really add value to this show, because I got to tell you, I was uh, I, I was thinking the other day, I said, Stephen, and I said, yes, Stephen. And I said, Stephen, um, if, if I was not the host of this show, would I listen? And, and I think that's a really good answer for any content creators. If, if I did not create this content, um, you know, would, would I actually read it or listen or watch it? Um, the answer was, uh, I mean, not the best. I mean, frankly, I've been a little absent the past couple of weeks just with some things going on. But that answer sparked me, uh, sparked some thinking, and I started thinking of ways that I could really make this show more valuable and worthy of your iTunes subscription or download or however you listen. Um, and one of the ways is to bring in, I think, some uh, really fresh perspectives. Bring in some people who I consider to be much smarter than me, which uh, the list of people much smarter than me is incredibly long, too long. Um, it's a little uncomfortable. So that is why today, market June 11, 2015, in the year of our Lord, I, I want to announce a new series that we are doing on this show for summer 2015 called Stephen and Company. Uh, in this series, which will start next week and will run for the next 12 weeks, ending the first week of September, I wanted it to just be kind of summer months, so I figured it would end in August, but that would have left me with 11 weeks, and that's an odd number, and I don't roll that way. Um, anyway, so it's 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 a series in which I will be bringing in a new guest every week to talk about anything and everything. Uh, we'll do politics, culture, entrepreneurship, life, sports, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about guns. I, I don't I, I really... I don't know. The The topics are open. So uh, if you have suggestions for whatever you see the list of people that we're going to have on, if you want to uh, send in some questions for them, that would be great. Uh, but really, truly anything that uh, that could really make a good show, I think we're going to talk about. It. I just wanted a casual conversation about what we can, uh, not even what we could do, just, just kind of getting their perspective on the world and 
uh, if they feel so inclined, they can share, you know, how to how to fix some of our problems. Um, I, I don't want it to be too structured. I just want a good time, good conversation. I'll be spending about 30 minutes or so with each, which, with each of my guests, and we'll just see where the conversation goes. The episodes will probably be um, probably about 40 minutes because I'll do a quick intro and then, you know, ads and stuff like that. Um, it'll be a good time. And let me tell you, another reason I'm doing this, I, I was thinking the other week, a few weeks ago, and I posted about this on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. That's right, I have that URL locked down. Get in line, ladies. Uh, I, I have, like I said earlier, I have some really smart friends. I have friends who are doing incredible things in the world of journalism. I have some really great friends who are doing some incredible things in the world of politics. Uh, and I have some friends who are doing some really incredible things in the world of business. And I was thinking, how, how great would it be if, if we want to turn our country around and turn really our entire world around? I always talk on this show about the country, but the world is in chaos. If we want to turn the world around, I, I think we have to form a coalition like our founders did. You know, our founders weren't just politicians. Our founders were a group of writers, politicians, business people, um, printers, uh, all sorts of inventors, all sorts of people, and um, and 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 you know, they were men of the state and men of enterprise, and that's what I think we need again today. Um, and those are the leaders we need to solve our biggest issues. So I, I was thinking, imagine what could happen. Just on, 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 on my side, if, if I could bring together my friends to share ideas, to offer up some fresh perspectives, in this case, 12 fresh perspectives. Now, obviously, the, the amount of friends I have compared to all the people of the world, it's, it's, a, it's a small little sample. But that's the start. I, I mean, who do you know? What, what kind of amazing people with amazing ideas do you know we need those people to come together. So that's another reason why I'm doing this. Anyways, this new series, Stephen and Company, is something that I'm very excited about and anxious to get started on. I'm working now to confirm dates for everyone, but I can tell you now some of the people who have told me they will be on. We just don't know exactly when yet. Stephanie Conway, she's been on the show before. She's agreed to come on. Bethany Bowra, uh, the Bethany Bowra will be on. Avery Jesmer is coming on. Very excited about that one. Uh, Garrett Humbertson and Julia Porterfield from Red Millennial will be coming on. They are awesome people. And of course, Matt Dallas and Benjamin Green, both hosts of their own podcast here on OutsetMagazine.com, will be coming on. And my friend uh, Austin Smith has agreed to come on in July. And I'm working on confirming uh, many more names, but those are just some of those. So stay tuned in the coming weeks because at the end of, of each of these episodes, I'll be announcing who's going to be coming on next week and also uh, stay tuned to my twitter at steven underscore perkins because i'm gonna want to ask them some of your questions you know what questions do you have for these people um so i I think it'll be really good but this series is going to be cool and and i hope you go to listen to them in the next 12 weeks and of course the best way to listen and this is a shameless plug but the best way to listen uh, to those episodes is to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or if you just want to use the feed URL on outsetmagazine.com slash podcast. Either way, you will not want to miss the next 12 weeks on this program as we present summer 2015 Stephen and Company 
I hope you're excited because I sure am. Now, we will be right back after this quick word from me, who is talking about a word from our sponsor. Hey friends, so if you're like me, you're on your phone constantly, and what that means, unfortunately, is that because our batteries don't last for five weeks like really they should, come on Apple, come on Android, but what that means is that your battery will eventually run out of power, and again, if you're like me, whenever you see your battery drop below 20%, below 10%, below 5%, you are freaking out if there's not a charger near. And and the worst part is when your friend is like, I'm, I'm using the charger right now. Like, woman, I have 5% battery left. Anyways, here is your solution. When your friends are too snobbish with the power cords, or maybe you just don't have one at all. Maybe you're at school and, you know, you don't want to I don't, I don't know your life, but, but let's just assume you're running out of battery power and you kind of don't want your phone to die like any normal red-blooded American would want. Uh, this is your solution. A company called Octopods is incredible enough to share with you, the listeners of the Outset Podcast Network this week, their incredible line of portable charging solutions. And the best part is you can get 50 percent off. Now listen, dad's day is coming up. Maybe your dad is addicted to his phone as well. I get it. Dad's like to play Angry Birds. I would assume my dad doesn't, but you never know. So get them the gift of power as all dads want. Go to octo-pod, that's octo-pod.com slash outset, O-U-T-S-E-T. And if you use the code outset, O-U-T-S-E-T at checkout, you will get 50 percent off your order what that is crazy you're saying i know but this is real life so go to outs or <laughs> go to octo-pod.com outset use the code outset at checkout get 50 percent off your order wow what a what an incredible um what an incredible product that we just um gave you the opportunity to purchase yay consumerism so here's what i want to talk about uh this week i should have introduced some of our topics um at the top of the show but uh, here's what i want to talk about this week obama trade uh is something that has been um that has been going on now for a while it is reaching its peak this week as the house and senate are set to vote on it actually i think it's the house this week i also want to talk about mckinney texas and then we need to touch on some incredibly hilarious stories from Rick Santorum and Lindsey Graham. You know, I, I really want there to be like a third. I really want there to be a third stooge so we can have the three stooges. Santorum, Santorum Lindsey Graham, and I think Jeb Bush will be our three stooges. But, uh, but you know, that's what's going on there. So let me talk about Obama trade. Maybe you've heard about our uh, about Obama trade. Obama trade is also ca- uh, called the Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. And it has been branded by Republicans and Democrats as a trade agreement. Oh, it's just a, it's just a simple trade agreement, guys. What, what's the issue? It's just, we're just trying to trade goods and services with other countries. I don't know why I used that voice, but somehow I did. And I, and I like it, so we're going to actually keep it. But this is, uh, the the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, has been in the works for a long time now. Obama has been working with leaders from, uh, namely, China and Great Britain to get this together. And it's a little disturbing, and let me tell you why. 
um, from Obamatrade.com. And I talked to these people at CPAC. If you want to find that interview, go to the405media.com uh, and look up Obamatrade. Um, I, I interviewed um, one of the people who's involved with this website about why Obamatrade is good. Pretty much what, what Obamatrade is, is, is essentially... I'm trying to be as managed trade, and it's a NAFTA type of program. It's a a big multinational or international trade agreement. But the problem with it, as Obamatrade.com has noted, is that it can't really be called a trade agreement because only two of its 26 chapters, and I'm quoting now, only two of its 26 chapters actually cover trade issues such as tariffs and quotas. Obama trade is really an expansive system of enforceable global government. And now, if, if that doesn't scare you, let me talk about what Paul Ryan said this week. And this is from Breitbart.com. Chief Obama trade proponent, House Ways and Means Committee Chairman, Representative Paul Ryan from Wisconsin, admitted during congressional testimony on Wednesday evening that despite tons of claims from him and other uh, Obama trade supporters to the contrary, the process is highly secretive. And he essentially said, just like Nancy Pelosi said with Obamacare, that it's declassified and made public once it's agreed to. So in other words, we have to pass it before the public can find out what is in it. Now, if that does not uh, make you nervous, is if, if that does not make you mad, then I don't know what will. We are talking about a multi-international trade agreement. And Paul Ryan, who you would think would be a good guy Republican, he was the vice presidential nominee in 2012, He's been noted as a strong conservative, and yet he's saying, oh, well, you know, we, uh, uh, yeah, we, we, we can't really give you the details until we pass it. Again, don't know why I'm using that voice. It is definitely not Paul Ryan's. But how does that make any sense? This is a trade agreement that Americans will have to live under, not just Americans, but people from all over the world will have to live under. These are rules and regulation about trade, but we can't read it. We can't read it because it's highly top secret. Um, I'm raising a red flag here because that should really concern you. I want to talk about another perspective. This is from townhall.com uh, from, from Rachel Marsden. Trans-Pacific Partnership is a bad deal for America. And in this article, and I just lost my place, congratulations, um, she writes essentially what it means for jobs. And she says, the good news is that the Obama administration plans to create a lot of new jobs. Yay. The bad news is that those jobs will be mostly in Asia. And she brings up pretty good points in here. That while the government, while while the federal government is saying that uh, that obviously when it when it comes to a trade agreement, um, you would hope that the Obama administration would be very critical of Asian um, labor conditions. So the federal government is saying, oh yeah, well th this whole this whole trade agreement is about improving, well not completely about, but part of it is about improving trade or labor conditions in Asian countries, primarily China. But, that, but, but the problem is that it, it doesn't really work that way. And, and, and she writes, are we supposed to believe that governments of these same developed nations are going to suddenly care about labor standards in foreign nations? 
So this whole trade agreement, which by the way, these are just some of the things that we are insinuating about it. We, we don't even know exactly what it's going to do. But all, I mean, we, we can look back, at, look back at NAFTA, which was the North American Free Trade Agreement, quote, free trade agreement. And we can see that, that did it benefit the United States? Not really. It actually suppressed wages in the United States. It actually created more jobs in Mexico. And it also shut down a lot of Mexican small businesses. NAFTA was a bad deal. And it was the same type of thing. It was, there was such a lack of transparency with NAFTA. And, and I realized I wasn't born. Or I, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't really uh, able to, to pay attention to the NAFTA news. But going back, you can clearly see there was not transparency with NAFTA. And now we have the same thing with Obamatrade. And another concern is that it's going to open the U.S. up to international laws. Now listen, I'm all for free trade. I I, I think that uh, I think obviously trade is incredibly vital and important to to nations around the world. But here's the thing: you cannot manage trade. Let me say something that should be obvious: free trade and managed trade are not the same thing, and yet. In Obama trade, it is managed trade, and it's being branded as free trade. And Paul Ryan said, oh, it's been 12 years since we've had a, a free trade agreement in the United States. Well, let me tell you something, Paul. If we pass Obama trade, if we pass the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it will still be 12 years since we passed one. And next year, it'll be 13 years before we pass one, and then 14 and 15 and so on, because this is not free trade. If you want free trade, yeah, fine. Let's pass a free trade bill. Let's work together with other countries and, 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 and improve trading conditions. And while we're at it, let's fight for some improved labor standards in Asian countries and, and countries all around the world. But that's not what they're interested in. They are interested in managed trade. They are interested in completely screwing up this system of free trade. One of the things that we stand for uh, here on outset is free markets. This goes completely against it. So Paul Ryan um, has now become Nancy Pelosi's love child. Paul Ryan is Nancy Pelosi's love child because he is spouting the same type of rhetoric that Nancy Pelosi does, that his mom does. So congratulations to Paul Ryan on completely, completely losing my trust. I think the trust of a lot of conservatives. And it's amazing, by the way, the number of Republicans that he has ready to vote yes on this thing, ready to give the president this authority. It's ridiculous. And those Republicans need to be outed. All right, so I, obviously, um, that's his issue to deal with. We'll let him deal with that. I, I want to talk about some issues that some of our oh some of our favorite 2016 Republican presidential candidates are having actually no first I, I want to talk about McKinney I'm all over the place sorry so uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on McKinney because um, first of all I wasn't there and if you're not if if you were not personally involved in a situation you really have no right 
to make assumptions about a situation. Um, I would say you, you really have no right to insinuate things about a situation. So for all of you saying, you know, McKinney, McKinney, you weren't there, first of all. Let's just realize that. You weren't there, and videos do not show the full picture. Because for every person who shot a video, there's another person who did not shoot video from a different angle, from a different perspective at a different time. So let's keep that in mind. But now, I heard yesterday, Al Sharpton is on his way here to Texas to help the McKinney protesters. And by help, I mean... I mean, help them become violent and and not peaceful at all because that's what Al Sharpton does Al Sharpton anywhere that Al Sharpton goes his mission statement is not to spread peace throughout the world his mission statement is to incite violence incite nasty racist rhetoric so that's what Al Sharpton has come in Texas to do and, and I do I do just want to say um, Mr. Sharpton you are not welcome in Texas and if I was the governor, if I was Governor Abbott, I would say Al Sharpton is not welcome in Texas because we're a different people here. We don't burn down our cities like they do in Baltimore. We don't burn down businesses over a police shooting. We don't riot in the streets over a case where all the facts have yet to come out on. That's not what we do here in Texas. And God bless the people in McKinney who have been peaceful, who have been, who have been peaceful since this happened. And they've made it very clear, their opposition to the police department's actions, but they have been peaceful. And, and, and that's, really, um, that's really the important part. But now Al Sharpton is coming to Texas because he sees the peaceful protests that have already been going on. And in his mind, he thinks, you know, I'm really not going to be happy until a building's on fire. And until someone physically assaults an officer or until someone, a protester, gets physically assaulted by someone else. Or, or, or maybe he's thinking, you know, I really want the news media covering this to be assaulted as well. So he's, he's on his way to Texas to talk about, uh, well, not to talk about, to, to scream about McKinney. But again, I, I want to applaud the people of McKinney because they are showing how Texans act. We can be outraged without burning buildings, without rioting in the streets, because we're a better breed down here. We have Whataburger. Most of you don't. So McKinney was obviously, listen, the videos that came out of McKinney, completely disturbing. In my point of view, everyone there is to blame. Uh, The fact that that party got out of control, the party goers are to blame. The fact that that some of the kids were not complying with police um, uh, request, completely wrong. The fact that a police officer pulled his gun on kids, completely wrong. The fact that those kids ran towards a police officer who was in the middle of apprehending someone, completely wrong. The fact that adults, adults were fighting in the street, completely wrong. McKinney, in the situation that happened there, is disgusting. And it, 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 it's so not what Texas stands for. 
um, the whole thing got out of hand. And everyone's to blame. I mean, you know, everyone after these types of situations wants to point fingers. Oh, it's the it's the kids' problems. It's the police officers' problem. It's the parents' problem. It's the adults' problem. It's everyone's problem, guys. It's everyone's problem. We can't stop. We we have to stop pointing the finger at, at one person and saying it is just one person's fault. It is just one. It is all of their fault. The police behaved wrongfully. The people who attended the party behaved wrongfully. The adults who were supposed to be the mature people, but instead decided to fight each other in the street like animals, they behaved wrongfully. Everyone's to blame here. So here is my suggestion. If we want to avoid another McKinney, and maybe I'm being too simplistic with it, but here's my suggestion. Um, If you're going to a party... Act like a normal human. And by that I mean, don't get out of control. I understand it's a party. Fine, have a party. But if you if, if you were disturbing people in a neighborhood, don't get too crazy, all right? Keep it sane, y'all. And here's my other tip. If a police officer requests you to do something like, I don't know, sit on the ground, please sit on the ground. Oh, and here's a tip for police officers. If someone's already on the ground, stop trying to force them further into the ground. Because when someone's on the ground and you keep saying, get on the ground, uh, it kind of makes you look foolish. So that's my two cents on, uh, on McKinney. It's probably not even worth two cents. But everyone just needs to calm down. And I wish more people would act like Texans. All right, let's talk about some sad news from the uh, the 2016 campaign trail. And I mean sad news because it's actually hilarious news. I want to talk about Santorum first. We have a couple of minutes left here. Rick Santorum, oh, the, the, the sweater vest aficionado. Him and Hillary Clinton are really style magnates, if you will. The headline from Politico, one voter... O-N-E, one voter shows up at Santora event at Santorum event in Iowa. And uh, from Nick Glass, at first, one was the loneliest number for Republican presidential candidate Rick Santorum on Monday. Just one Iowan showed up at 2 p.m. at a 2, 2 p.m. campaign stop Monday at a restaurant in the unincorporated community of Hamlin, population 300, according to a report uh, from the Des Moines Register. Um... So I, I, I think uh, do, 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 do. Um, there's also, a, what was it? The presidential candidate spoke for about 10 minutes one-on-one with the person who showed up outlining what differentiates him from the rest of the Republican field. He's got a mad sweater game. That, what differentiates Rick Santorum? He's got a mad sweater game. Anyways, sweater game on point. So I just find it so funny that one person, and now granted, the town only had, only had 300 people in it. I mean... You know, one person. What a what an accomplishment, Rick. So one person shows up to his campaign event. And the best part is how Santorum blows off. He's like, well, you know, oh, this is uh, this is how it's got to be. You know, uh, it's uh, he said, quote, it's not glamorous and you're not 
uh, out there raising money, but you're doing what the money is ultimately supposed to do, getting votes. Yeah, because that one vote really matters. And he said, well, you know, that one vote ends up, you know, becoming eight votes. And no, Rick, you, you had one voter show up to your campaign stop. That's kind of sad. And speaking of sad, Lindsey Graham. Oh, the, the southern gentleman from South Carolina. He is from South Carolina, right? He's not from North Carolina because, honestly, I get my Carolinas mixed up, as I'm sure you do. Nope, South Carolina. The Southern Gentleman from South Carolina. This is on the Daily Mail. He said that we would, quote, have a rotating first lady. He said, quote, I, well, I've got a lot of friends. We'll have a rotating first lady. Now, Lindsey Graham, as you probably know, is a lifelong bachelor and uh, refuses to answer questions of why he never married, although most people said it's probably because he was uh, taking care of his sister, Darlene. And he said that his sister, by the way, would probably be his first rotating uh, first lady of many. So this is what I think. This is just my, my quick little suggestion before we end the show this week. Lindsey, slash producers of ABC's The Bachelor. Here's my suggestion. If and when, or hopefully if, not really when, but if you become president, President Graham, please be the next Bachelor on ABC's The Bachelor. Because that would be the greatest thing ever. If we just had like a, like instead of The Bachelor Mansion on that show, just the White House, you know, these women pull up in limos and He's like, how y'all doing? I'm Lindsey Graham. I'm the president of the United States. I think that'd be some quality television. I would watch the hell out of that show. Oh my God. I, I would buy cable just to watch that show. I, I'd even buy the DVR package so I could record that show in case I miss it. All I'm saying, think about it. Lindsey Graham on the next season of The Bachelor. Well, that just about does it for this week's program. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm sure you had such a great time this week. Um, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Outset Podcast Network. Make sure to check out Second Look with Benjamin Green and the Matt Dallas Show with, you guessed it, Matt Dallas. Uh, both of those on Tuesdays and uh, um, Saturdays now. Matt Dallas is now on Saturdays. Uh, so make sure to check out those shows. Follow me on Twitter at Stephen underscore Perkins, Facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. Um, on Twitter, out uh, at Outset Magazine and on Facebook, Outset Network. Until next week, the first episode of Summer 2015, Stephen and Company. We will speak then. See you then. Take care.